today on Ag News Daily. But I, I think the biggest mistake that producers make is that you should just always be hedged anyways. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Market Monday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by my co-host, Mike Pearson. Good afternoon, Delaney Howell. It is a beautiful day here in downtown Chicago. It is a beautiful day here in central Iowa, Des Moines as well. Well, it's a shame it is probably still too wet for most of our listeners to be out in the fields after those torrential downpours that came across so much of the Corn Belt over the weekend. Yeah, I saw people getting four, five, six inches of rain. Yeah, yeah, coming back across... uh, Iowa and Illinois yesterday, I saw many, many flooded fields. Mississippi is out of its banks yet again, continuing its streak of flooded days Mm. here this year. It is frustrating for a lot of growers. It is extremely frustrating. And I chatted with Dr. Scott Irwin of the University of Illinois this morning, and we'll play that interview later on this week. But we chatted about that impact that it's having on our Corn Belt friends. All right. Well, stay tuned. We'll probably play that on Wednesday, don't you think? I think so. Excellent. Well, before we get into our full-on Market Monday uh, interview, why don't we talk about... i got to have some soda. i got to have some caffeine <laughs> in my veins to get, get my head uh, Get you pumping. Here, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell you what. I need another soda. Um, why don't we run through the news? I would love to run through the news. I will start it off here with some pork news. Got two pieces of pork news, actually. The first one here being JBS, of course, a huge packing plant facility. JBS USA is planning to eliminate the use of the Chinese banned growth hormone, ractopamine, during its pork producing operations because they are expecting huge demand increases for China as African swine fever continues to plague that country and have said that they are going to follow suit and confident that their own pork production will thrive without using ractopamine and confident that this will be a good long-term decision to be able to use that marketplace. All right. Well, you know, we knew this would come one of two ways. Either we would start to see American producers rein in the use of racto in our own herds, or we would see China accept ractopamine, but I guess might as well get out ahead of it and uh, cut back usage. Yes, absolutely. And as I mentioned there, I had two pieces of pork news. I thought this was absolutely fascinating. I don't know, Mike, if you have seen this on Twitter or anywhere that's being shared. Is this shared. polar bear pig? Yes, polar yeah, bear Yeah, break it down for us, Delaney. Tell us what we're talking about. So African swine fever, we know it's impacting China. We know they're having to cull a lot of hogs. So in reaction to that... We are seeing some Chinese pig farmers raising pigs to be as big as polar bears to bulk up the size of the pigs they're selling anywhere from around 1,000 pounds, 1,200 pounds, about the size of a black rhinoceros. And then it sounds like it's paying off because these pigs sell for more than three times the average pig price at about 13 $1,399 for these large piggies. Well, and it makes sense because you're selling 3x the pork. You know, you're going to get paid 3x the money, I would yep, think. I think so. But, they they usually are weighing about 310 pounds, and now they're weighing almost 1,000 pounds more than that. I would be curious to know about flavor. I'd be hmm. interested to try 
a pork chop from one of these massive porkers just to see how it compares to conventionally bred, conventionally raised hogs. Because I got to imagine there's going to be some sacrifices in some way when you're raising animals to be that large. You would think so. And I would be curious to know how much of China's infrastructure can handle these larger sized pigs. I mean, that's, you're getting right. up Where's to... Where's the slaughter plant that can hang a 1,300 pound animal? Yeah, you're getting up to like steer size now. Yeah, yeah, or bigger. Or bigger, I know. That's, that's crazy. That's insane. I, I just, I didn't know a polar bear was that size, but uh, I guess that's the comparison they're using, but... Yeah, I didn't either. So we're learning all sorts of stuff here. Oh yes, all sorts of stuff. Well, as long as we are talking China, we are going to be talking China a lot this week. Delaney, as I'm sure you are aware of, a lot of other listeners, gosh, I tell you, I, I literally am going to need another Mountain Dew. A lot of our listeners are aware the trade talks are kicking off this week between the U.S. and Beijing. Today and tomorrow, we are seeing um, basically assistant-level trade talks. Um, there are about 30 Chinese officials led by the vice finance minister, Lao Min, uh, that have come into the uh, U.S. Trade Rep's office for two days of negotiations. Um, basically, they're not talking to Robert Lighthizer yet. They're talking to the staff. So this is the staff of the Chinese vice premier, Liu He, meeting with the staff of Robert Lighthizer, kind of getting the little details out of the way, because then on Thursday – the real trade talks kick off between Liu He, Vice Premier of China, and Robert Lighthizer, and uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. Those are going to get together, and we're going to start to see what can come out of this trade agreement. Now, there were some headlines about this over the weekend. There was a report by Bloomberg that China is apparently backing away from its initial, not agreement, but discussion to hold broad scale trade talks. The story now is that China really wants to negotiate some smaller, more targeted trade negotiations first. Basically, they're thinking that with this impeachment for impeachment process or inquiry or whatever the heck you want to call it going on in D.C. right now for President Trump, the Chinese are feeling they are in a better negotiating position as this goes forward, and they're, they're going to kind of drag their feet a little bit. So we'll see what actually gets worked out here as this week drags on. Yeah, and I'm wondering, too, if maybe they took a card from the Japanese deck when they saw kind of the more piecemeal trade negotiation that seems to be going on there. Right, right. So I'm, I'm sure they're watching all of these things, and you know, we'll just have to wait and see what actually gets talked about and if there's any additional soybean or per pork purchases to come about uh, maybe as a good news gesture through the end of the week. Well, as we continue looking at what's going on in the trade scene, Mike, I know you brought up last week the retaliatory tariffs that the U.S. is threatening to put on the EU starting October, what is that? 18th, I believe, 15th, something like yeah, that. Yeah, that feels right. So ahead of that final or next round of tariffs going into effect, the World Trade Organization has scheduled a final meeting for October 14th before the U.S. can implement those tariffs. To It's kind of a formality, it sounds like, where they talk about those tariffs, they discuss whether or not it's in the U.S.'s best interests, whether it's kind of allowed. But technically speaking, I believe they could block the U.S. from putting those tariffs into effect. Oh, 
Interesting. It's, it sounds like perhaps that's maybe not something that would happen, but it's something that could happen. Okay. All right. Well, gosh, so many coulds and might be's here yes. this week of, of trade news. Of course there is. Oh, uh, let's see here. I've got one other piece of news for us to discuss, and that is an update from Louis Dreyfus, one of the uh, the big ABCDs of the agricultural industry. They warned earlier today that international trade tensions and African swine fever are going to weigh on their activities for the rest of the year, even though they've already pushed down their first half of the year's profit margin. Um, basically, they said that uh, they were expecting a rebound in their profitability looking at the second half of the year, but now that has been called into question. Uh, they continue to say that the pressures they're feeling um, due to falling margins for sourcing and shipping crops like cereals and oil seeds are continuing to hurt their profits, and so they are just the latest in these agricultural firms to be really feeling the squeeze of this ag downturn and uh, trade war. Absolutely. I think a lot of folks are feeling that squeeze, Mike. Yes. And it's not just big players. It is small players as well. It is growers of all shapes and sizes have been feeling the margin squeeze over the past several years. Absolutely. But I have some good news for our producers, especially those folks that live in areas that maybe don't have the best broadband or the best internet connection. The USDA has announced that they're investing $152 million to improve broadband services in 14 different states, including Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Minnesota, Missouri, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. Okay, so they might be on track to get a little bit better internet. It sounds like it. There's a couple of more private companies, apparently, that I think have put in bids or grants to receive some of this funding to work to enhance the rural Internet in some of these communities. All right. Well, we will keep an eye on that then for Shizzle. Yes, we will. Did you just say for Shizzle? I did because I am straight gangster. Oh, yeah. You are a little off today, aren't you? I am. I'm very off today. I, you know, riding that mega bus back and forth from Chicago to Des Moines, it's just exhausting. Yes, I can imagine, Mike. Well, if that wraps up the ag news, before we get into our conversation with Todd Bubba Horowitz, let's see where the market's wrapped up for the day. What do you say, Delaney? Well, let's do it, Mike. All right, folks, and we've got mixed trade in the grains today. Corn in the green, beans and wheat in the red, but only slightly. In the corn market, the December contract was down, excuse me, up two and a quarter to close the day at 387 even. The March up two cents, finished at 399 even. In soybeans, November new crop down one penny at 915 and a quarter. The January down three quarters of a cent, finished at 929 and a half. In, in uh, Chicago wheat, the December contract was down three quarters of a cent at 489 and three quarters. The March down one and a quarter, closed the day at 496 and a quarter. Jumping over into livestock, we saw a little bit of strength in live cattle, uh, some bear spreading happening, and then weakness in both feeders and lean hogs. In live cattle, that October contract was up 90 cents on the day at 108.25. The December contract up 42.50 to finish at 111.20. And in feeder cattle, the October contract down 27.5 cents at 141.70. November down 45 at 140.92.5. And in lean hogs, the October contract dropped $1.90 on the day at 60.50. December contract 
down the limit, $3 at $64.25. A little bit of strength today in the dairy market. October contract was up 17 cents at 1848, with the November also climbing 17 to finish the day at 1821. Without that, with that out of the way, folks, let's jump into our hashtag Market Monday conversation. Well, for today's Market Monday discussion, we've got Todd Bubba Horowitz from BubbaTrading.com to chat us through the commodity markets. How you doing today? I'm doing great. I mean, yeah, listen, it's, it's, it's another day, right? It's quiet. It, 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 trade is slow, but it has been a little bit wild. So we'll see what happens. That we will. I want to chat here just for a second to kick it off with. We've got another report coming out this week with the October WASD. Do you expect to get any surprises on that report? Well, I don't know. That, you know, honestly, I am not a report. I, I've never read a report in my life. I could care less. Everything is determined by the price action. And, and I think that what we're going to see is we've already started rallying in, in the grains. And I think that you're, you're going to see more of that. Now, again, today they weren't higher, but I think you're going to see more of that. I think the bombs are in. I think we've got a very big rally coming because we're going to find out, I think, based on the price action, that there's going to be some disappointments to that report to what people were expecting. Interesting. Interesting. So we will keep an eye out for that on Thursday. But I want to bring it back to today, Todd. We saw hogs go limit down. Is this all just fear that perhaps this Chinese trade deal won't come through? Well, you know, it, 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 you know, we were pretty bullish to hogs. And, of course, obviously I have to reevaluate after today, but I would never sell down in the limit regardless. So we'll see what that looks like. But, again, I like them, but I'm, I'm a little bit concerned now. And I think I'm, I'm thinking that this, today's price move was based on ridiculous news out of China, uh, and, and it just pushed them straight down because it wasn't very – the volume was fairly thin. And, you know, we, we had that first announcement – that there might be a couple of changes. And then the equities rallied big about, I don't know, sometime early this, late this morning on that the deal was going to be good. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think this is more of an overreaction. And, of course, in, in very thin markets, overreactions are very common. Absolutely. So continuing this week forward, do you think we'll continue to trade the news that's coming out about the Chinese delegation meetings? Well, you know, it's funny, but if you look at the grains, they did not budge. The equities rallied about 150 points in about 20 minutes, okay? The grains did not move, okay? They actually were able to squeak up about half a penny, and then, of course, uh, beans and, and wheat closed lower anyways. So, you know, again, this is the, the issue that we're dealing with, and when you have very thin and, and lightly traded markets, basically one big order will push them anywhere they want to go, and, and that's, I think, what we're going to continue to see. Uh, but overall, I, I think that, again, I, I still see on by the grains look great, and I think the meats look good, too. I'm, uh, my only concern is the hogs. Well, let's talk about the grains looking great then. Bob, when you look ahead to the future, particularly this December corn contract, are we going to see this sucker make a rally to $4 before I expiration? Think, I think we're going north of $4. How's that? I think, I think we're going I – look, I could see, you know, based on the things that I look at, I could certainly see corn going to 420 Okay, uh, December, this December's corn. I, again, I, I think it looks really solid, and, and I think you're going to see a nice little pop here. I think the, the action the last, you know, after last Monday when we had that real spike high, we really held ground extremely well. So to me, this is just some more base building, and I think the next move will push us up to about the $4 level. We failed right where we should have, and I think 
once we get there, I think it'll be not much longer than we get to, but, you know, 410, 420, and possibly higher. Todd, I think a lot of producers who didn't maybe market this summer are kicking themselves for not taking advantage of that 470, 473 range. Is there any reason to indicate, maybe not the December contract, but looking out into the future, maybe March or or other deferred contracts that hit that target high again? Or is that number completely out of the question at this point? Well, I don't, I don't think, I, first of all, I, I could never predict numbers out of the question. I can only look at it one, one spot at a time. But uh, they're never out of the question. But I, I think the biggest mistake that producers make is that you should just always be hedged anyways. And, I mean, I'm talking about a hedge that doesn't limit your upside because we never know how high they can go, right? We, we never know. Nobody announces the next big market. So, but if you're hedged in a way that, that the ways I teach, but if you're hedged that you always have the upside open, why wouldn't you want to protect the downside? Why do you want to wait and watch them go from you know, the, high, the mid fours down to 350 and then hope, pray that they get back up? Whereas you can just lock in your marketing costs right away and know where you stand instead of trying to chase them around and, and going to the old hoping and praying. That's right. Hope and prayer is not a marketing plan, Bubba, as I know you've said many times before. <laughs> that is absolutely true. <laughs> well, now let's talk about the soybean market. You, you, you mentioned corn looking good. Might see that rally up to 410, 420. On soybeans, November, of course, I mean, we're getting darn close to expiration on that. Well, what's your target there? I mean, can, can you see 930 here in the uh, November beans? If I, if I don't see 930, I'll be pretty disappointed, actually. I think I think we're going to test that 936 high we made back in uh, July. So that would be – that's my first look ahead into the next number that I'd be looking at. But, again, I think they're going to go higher as well. You know, I, I think – first of all, I think we've got a lot of things that are going to show up. And, and when we when we had those big breaks back in uh, in early uh, – excuse guys, early August. I think it started late July, but that's really continued through – uh, September, the mid mid September, I think that they were pricing everything in, but the kitchen sink is is bad news. I think that's always a mistake, and I think you're, you're, you have a lot of big funds that are still short that have been trying to uh, manip- manipulate, not manipulate, but nibble their way out of their short positions without getting trapped in a short squeeze. And I think that's kind of what you saw, you know, last week. And I think that's going to continue. And again, I, I think there's no issue with these going higher, and there's nothing in in the cards that tell me that there's not a big rally on tip. But I've heard from some folks as much as a dollar to a dollar ten, a dollar fifteen that some people are expecting to see in the soybean markets. Is that out of the question? Or I mean, I know you said you don't like to you don't like to cap those upward momentum rallies, but th- does a dollar seem I, too I, much? I, I look at I don't know. I, I all I can tell you is that I can only mark the markets one one spot at a time. And, and again, could it go there a hundred percent? I mean, we can go anywhere, but for now. I've got to worry about can I get to the next level, and if we get through that, then I'll worry about the one after that. I'm not going to sit here and plan and hope that it gets to that next level up. I'm going to sit there and watch it one level at a time based on all the work that I do and know that I'm in. So it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm in the market for I'm long, and I'm prepared for it. So if it does do it and, I, and it goes right through my numbers, I'm going to be a participant anyways, which is the other side of the equation of why the, the, the producer should be hedged because you don't give up the upside. You know, again, we don't know when the next big market is. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is just the start of it. You know, do we know? We, we never know. And that's always an issue. As it so sits, let's talk about the oh, – go ahead, Lenny. I was just going to say, as it sits today, Bubba, are you more bullish or friendly, the soybean market or the corn market? I think I'm equally, I'm equally friendly, actually, corn, bean, beans, and wheat, okay? I'm pretty friendly the whole space. Now, 
if you force my hand to pick one, uh, I think well, I think corn is going to is going to make the the bigger percentage move. Okay, uh, but of course, you know, uh, if you're if you're trading equally, you know, twenty cents in corn or or or, or, or twenty cents in beans is the same thing, right? So yeah, we'll see. I, again, I I like them all. If you force them to pick one, I think probably corn is going to make the bigger percentage move. Well, you like them all, but Bubba, it is it, wheat is a tough market to love right now, especially out in KC in Chicago. What is it about the wheat in particular that uh, that have you a little bulled up about the future? Well, take a look at it. I mean, we 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 made lows at 450 basically back in early September uh, or late August, and we came up and made a higher low, and now we're making another higher low, and we're, we're holding you know at 485 level. I mean, we we tested 501 before failing. There's no doubt in my mind this is going to 5:30, okay, if uh, not higher than that. Again, this is again these are the levels that I'm watching today. Once we get through five, I think we go to 5:30. And, and again, that's I can only look to those numbers. And, and again, could we get into the sixes again next year? Yeah, we. Could. I mean, again, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of big things happening overall uh, in, in these markets. But the, the best thing that I can look at is always the price action, and the price indicates there's a lot of bullish action underneath the markets. Okay, well, a quick follow-up then to that, Bubba. We've got 5.30 basically trading in the D's 2020 Chicago wheat. We're at 5.28 and a quarter with the close today. What would be the ideal hedging strategy in your mind to lock that price in and still leave the upside open? Well, you, use, you have to use like a there's, a, there's a couple of different variations, but one that I would use is using a, like a, by, use a one by two put spread. So you're covered to the downside and you can, you can determine the exact cost of where your hedge kicks in, and if it goes up, you make dollar for dollar. So you miss none of the upside moves, but if it goes straight down, you get paid off, and you know where you're out at, and if it turns around, then you gave up a little bit of your potential profit. But again, you never give up the, the voluntary upside, because when, when most guys go out there and they'll sell a call and buy a put to finance it, that's ridiculous, because you're giving up the potential okay, of a big move. And how many times have we seen these guys get stuck short because they couldn't produce enough, although they sold enough to produce what they thought they could produce. So, Bubba, as it sits today, you said there that you were pretty bullish the grains and the cattle complex, but not so much the lean hog complex. Tell us why you are a little more friendly at this point for the cattle markets and not so much for the hog markets. Well, I think when you look at, at, at cattle, if you look at the fat cattle first or live cattle, I mean, you know, we, we the Tyson fires was actually the, one of the greatest buying opportunities in our lifetime. Okay, so the minute that came out, I knew it was, it was time to start to look to be a buyer, and of course it was. And, and now we've come back and tested all the levels. We, we filled up all that room, and we're right back where we were when cattle was very bullish back. You know, if you're looking at December, you know, around 110, over 110, and we're holding these upper levels, which to me is extremely bullish. And, and again, I think it's you know that selling is always way overdone because there was a lot of forced liquidation in there, uh, which is always a problem, but it always creates a great buying opportunity if you understand what's going on. And of course, feeders, uh, they've done basically the same thing. They've recovered all their losses. They actually tested, you know, the recent highs, and now they're pausing and they're going sideways, which is, again, sideways action is always bullish if the, if the, if the back, the prevailing last few months or weeks were, were, were up, and that's where we've been. So again, I look for it to go higher, and then when you look at the hog markets, I mean, again, they were very bullish. They were at the bottom in the consolidation. Now, today, they broke through the bottom. So, again, we'll see tomorrow morning. Right? I can't. I can't I, right now, I would never sell 
and if they go if they go down limited again, I'm not telling tomorrow either. Okay, again, if they go down, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let them go down a little bit because they're gonna they're gonna bounce at some point and give me a better exit, even if I'm no longer friendly. But if they can if they can bounce back in and get back over 66 uh, in December, hogs, then to me we're probably gonna go up and test the mid 70s. So that's how I'm looking at it. And I can't again, it's hard to say because when markets go limit down, it's hard for me to I'm not gonna sell for sure. Okay. So I just have to wait and watch the price action. But it's certainly a down limit move that breaks through support is not bullish unless it immediately reverses tomorrow, which we've seen that happen a lot in hogs recently, that they have had a lot of very wide trades and a lot of action. Absolutely. Bubba, before we let you go, I know that you are also a metals futures trader. Tell us your thoughts here on the metals complex, both gold and silver, given all this volatility we're seeing in the equity markets. They're going lower. Um, you know, again, we were very bullish and we were, we were long and long and long and we got out. And I, I think if you watch, if you watch 1520 in December gold right now, and you watch 1780 in December silver, you want to be a seller at those levels. I mean, if you saw the action on Monday, I mean, you know, we're up and trying to rally and then they broke down and it's down about 17 bucks. Uh, and I think you're going to see more sign. I think we're going to test in gold. I think you'll test that, that recent low we put in last week at about probably 14.65 and i think in silver you're probably going to test that low down around 17 bucks so i think there's a, i think there's some room to the downside and, and i think that's really what you're going to see going forward I, again i was very bullish on and we have reversed over and now i will stay on the short side you know long term i'm bullish i mean I'm a, you know i'm a, basically i'm a long-term owner but i'm a short-term trader and in short term i am short well, before we let you go, let us know how can folks get a hold of some of your content, interact with you on social media, all that fun stuff. They can get me either on my my email. They can email me direct at Bubba at BubbaTrading.com. They can go to my website, which which has a, a special section for producers uh, at BubbaTrading.com. And, of course, I'm, uh, I'm Bubba underscore trading on Twitter. Uh, and that is all my social media. And, of course, uh, again, I look forward to hearing and helping anybody out because this is what I love to do. Well, again, a big thank you there to Bubba Horwitz. But do be sure and connect with him on social media if you don't already do so. Or check out his commentary, The Ag Report, on the Global Ag Network website. You can head there, globalagnetwork.com, and find a lot of great content, including commentary, podcasts, videos, articles, and more. Fantastic. Be sure to check all that out, folks. And you can always interact with us on social media. Just search for at Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Connect with us. Let us know your thoughts. And with that, Delaney, should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.